everybody around the country. We are sitting down as you are enjoying this morning's podcast from Step Outside Fishing Podcast this morning with the one and only Justin Wilmer from Tackle Tactics. Good morning to you, Justin. Good morning, Paul. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, mate. Thanks for your time today. I'm, uh, it's a pleasure to have you on, on, on board with us this evening. And I'll tell you what, mate, it's a, a very interesting topic that we have on hand at the moment as well. Yeah, the humble flathead. It is a humble fish because it's one of the bread and butter species that a lot of people target around the country, generally being your flathead, whiting and, of course, brim. And there are so many different varieties and species of this particular fish that you don't have to be an expert to go out and catch it because you can catch one off the bank on a hand line. And, of course, you can get them off the boats if you want to get out there and get amongst it as well. Yeah, definitely, definitely been a favourite species for me throughout my life kicking off fishing for them early on with my dad and that sort of thing uh, in the old timber boat with the baits out and that sort of thing. But like you say, an accessible species and, and even, you know, the kid with the basic gear off the off the jetty or something is a chance of catching a trophy fish, which is excellent. Mate, um, now you, you're from Tackle Tactics, uh, which is home of Z-Man lures, platypus line. I mean, realistically, you've got some of the best lures at your, at your beck and call. Mate, when you grew up, would you have ever thought that soft plastics would evolve to where they are today? No, it's unbelievable. Now, the wall of a tackle shop now compared to when I was a kid is, is just crazy. You know, when we first started off fishing, it was all bait. So for me, it would have been a, a two-gang rig with a half a pilly or a three or four-gang rig with a whole pilly for a flathead. And uh, then the, the very basics of soft plastics started to arrive from the U.S. Yeah. And, um, you know, you had limited limited models and limited colours to choose from and you're probably throwing a lizard or whatever <laughs> you could get in terms of a soft plastic. And, <laughs> and nowadays it's, it's every colour and every style imaginable out there, that's for sure. I was talking to a, a good friend of mine, uh, Dominic Genua, who was the head of marketing for BIA Australia, and he was asking about flathead and he said soft plastics, you know, and, and we're talking, uh, you know, a, a different generation of, of people because not only just for children but also for people, adults, wanting to get involved in fishing, such as Dom, wanting to know the simplicities of targeting flathead and of course when you do walk into a, a tackle shop uh of course you know an anaconda is that you look at this tackle wall and it can be quite daunting because it is such a big big array of lures in front of you mate um tell me as a kid growing up what was the 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 interesting facts of a flathead that brought you to being a flathead fisherman yeah i guess i guess for me just purely that accessibility factor and also the fact that they love eating lures like flathead are an ambush predator hiding in the mud or the sand and they're just waiting for a meal to go past so if you bounce a lure past them in the right place there's a fair chance that they're going to get out and have a crack at it and and so now for those getting into it you know starting off with what are the fish eating they're eating little bait fish so if you get a, a paddle tail plastic or a, a small bait fish imitation soft plastic you're a pretty good chance of, of catching a flathead for sure Mate, it comes down to you just uh, hit a couple of key words there for me, and that is locating what the fish are eating. Because every bank or every area in Australia has a different variety of species. Some fish may have, uh, you know, there could be herring in an area, there could be a fish species of a, of a scad. Uh, you want to really try and get that local breakdown, don't you? You don't want to use something that's a little bit foreign. That may work in another area, but it won't work in another. Is that about right? 
Yeah, it is. It is pretty amazing that good old saying: "Find the bait, find the fish." And and I'll often be out. I'll take out my wife or my dad, and we'll be out fishing for flathead, and you're working a bank, and it just doesn't feel right. It mm. gut feel after time on the water. Mm. It just feels like a desert. There's no bait flicking. There's no movement. And then you move to another bank where there's bait flicking around and bait movement, mm. and you'll start to catch fish straight away. And and it's a good idea to try and look in the water and see what is the bait that's flicking. How big is that bait? Uh, you know, what color is that bait? And they call it matching the hatch, I guess is the old saying. So you're trying to match that soft plastic to the bait that's in the water. And, um, yeah, it, it, I guess I guess for years, you know, the, the plastics have got more and more realistic in color. So I normally tell people to carry three colors with them is my, is my general trick. Three so colors? If, yeah, three, that's my theory is the three color theory. So... First of all, we find a spot where there's some bait, so we know there's some bait there. We try and match the hatch, so we'll try and get that colour that's very similar. But if not, we're going to change things up. So when the water's really clear and it's a bright day, I generally tell them to fish a really natural light sort of colour, very clear, translucent you know, sort of plastic. Yep. If the water's dirty, which can often happen when the tide turns to run out or if we've had rain, if the water's dirty, you want to go for a darker, more silhouette colour like a gold rush, which is a black with a gold belly. Yep. So where that dark silhouette colour will stand out much better in the water and help the flathead to find the lure. And then my, if, if all else fails, throw your hands in the air and put on a fluoro colour. Um, <laughs> and those, you know, those, it's amazing how many of the pink glows or the electric chickens or those out there colours that don't look like anything can get the bites on those other days. So, so I say to people, if you're going to go and chase flathead on soft plastic, try and have a a nice natural light colour, a darker, dirty water type colour, and then that fluoro in case they're not easy, and you're a fair chance that you should you should catch fish. Mate, um, yeah, they, they call the Alton John colour, obviously, with all the pinks and yellows and greens and blues, nuclear chicken, all these different colours, that's correct. So uh, generally something you'd think, I'm not entirely sure, but I know another species, uh, which is your snapper, uh, love that nuclear chicken as well when you drop down those larger uh, larger plastics to them. Mate, when you are targeting flathead, what sort of a bank do you want to find, whether you're in a boat or off the, or off the land? What sort of bank are you looking for for a flathead lie? Yeah, I think I think well, that's an interesting one too. You say the flathead lie—that's a good cheat for people. Mm. If you are, if you're going to fish an area, go and wander around at low tide and see if you can find those flathead lies, those depressions in the sand or the mud that flathead leave behind from the previous high tide, mm. and that's often a sign that there's been fish in the area, and hopefully they're still there. But for me, it structure is key. Almost, almost whatever species you're targeting, other than say some of the plagics that move around chasing the bait. Often the structure is key, and and the biggest mistake I see people make with flathead fishing is they go, oh, flathead loves sandbanks. I'm going to go drift along this massive sandbank. Mm. You know, you're a chance of finding a fish, but realistically, structure holds and structure tracks fish. So even when I'm targeting flathead, I'm still looking for structure. So on the higher stages of the tide, I might be looking around mangrove edges uh, and that sort of thing. And that's why I guess so many get caught around the boat ramp and jetties and those sorts of things because that's where the bait is, that's where the structure is. So mm. for me on my tide, I'm up there on the weed bed looking for pockets in the weed and I'm also looking along the mangrove edges. But definitely the most effective time to target flathead is those last couple of hours of the run-out tide and the first of the run-in tide. And that's because there's less water to be in and also that current's dropping out and concentrating the bait and the, and the fish on the edge of channel edges and drop-offs. So if you can find rocks or rubble 
lay down timber, mangrove edges, uh, weed beds. Weed is one of the, mo- the most effective places to target flathead. And if, if you could be throwing your plastic up right onto the edge of the weed and just hopping your plastic along and out from those weed edges, you're definitely a chance of a, of a good good size fish holding on those edges. And like you say, if you if you can find the flathead lies by doing a bit of fishing forensics, we'll call it, and that is going down there looking for that coffin shaped uh, impression in the sand or in, in the in the gravel or mud. That's a sure sign that there's flathead in that area as well. And and you mentioned uh, obviously uh, the drop of the tide. So I guess time of the day, mate, do, does that make a big difference? Like early morning before it gets busy on the water. To, to disrupt the fish or it doesn't really matter as long as you've got that tide throughout the day? Yeah, flathead are probably one of those species where it, it impacts them less, I guess, because they are holding on the bottom. So even if you drift over them or drive over them in a boat, mm. a lot of time they'll, they'll stay there. And whereas, you know, your brim or your species that are just holding free in the water column, a lot of them will dart off and disappear. Mm. But, you, but you're spot on. It's still those peak bite times of morning and afternoon. So if you can time you're tied around that morning or the afternoon, you're definitely more chance of catching numbers, especially in potentially bigger fish. Yeah. But flathead, for those, that, for those that like a sleeping flathead, still a fish that you can catch right throughout the day. But if you target those those key times of the tide. So uh, a lot of the guys that fish the flathead classic on the Gold Coast and that sort of thing where, mm. you know, a lot, a lot of flathead get caught. It's amazing how many get caught around that last two hours of the run out, first hour of the run in. And then people kind of just, where are the fish? How do we find these fish, you know? And the guys that can nut them out on those other stages of the tide are the guys that, that win the comp often and do well in the comp. But that, that you know, if you wanted to have a go at chasing flathead, um, then that would be your prime time. Those last two hours of run out, first hour of run in. And basically it just means, you know, all that water that sits up on the flat yep. and all that bait that's sitting up there has to go somewhere. So as that tide drops out, all that the flathead just lay on the edge of that drop off and they wait for that bait to be forced off the flat. It's got nowhere to go. So as it comes off that flat on the last of the dropping tide, they just they feed up on it. So they're very active at that stage of the tide as well. You can visually uh, see what you're saying. If, you know, you can think about the, the flats in a bay uh, or a creek or canal entrance, anything like that. As it drains out, you can visually see you know, the, the water dropping. You've got those little turbulent eddies and corners where obviously the bait fish get pulled into or on those drop-offs and your flathead lie there. So that that's exactly what people out there listening to this wanting to target flathead need to find. If you locate that, you're, you're halfway there to catching a flatty. But, of course, it also comes down to other noticeable things in the environment. The black shags that we see out there with the pelicans at times there, Justin, where... You know, that you'll see 50 birds in one and they're all diving down eating the jelly prawns or the bait fish and all that. Is, d- does that bring the flathead in as well? Like, are the flathead also patrolling that area wanting to target? Just for people out there, if they see this, they go, I'm going to go and fish that. Well, there's a chance of catching a bird, I guess. Yeah, yeah and we've, yeah, we've both done that. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> fun and games. Yeah. I've connected to, connected to a giant hawk on tip of Fraser Island throwing slugs for tuna and yeah, oh, no. everything and everything ended well, but yeah, you're spot on again. If there's bait in the area, there's mm. flathead aren't the only thing that want to eat the bait. So there'll be birds in the area. And, and I know another mate that chases barramundi and he, he says the same thing. If he's working the impoundment mm. and there's birds working an area mm. means there's bait in the area. And so there's likely fish in the area as well. So, yeah, those those flathead will definitely be around where that active where that active area is, and 
And it's amazing in the system, you might only need to go 50 metres to find a bank that the current might be different or something and it's holding bait. So, so if you, you know, I guess if you, if you don't change anything, then the result doesn't change potentially. So if you're not catching fish, try a different bank, move on. And a good point you also said was the water movement. Yes. Water movement, water movement is often crucial for a flathead as well. So if I'm fishing a creek, uh, I might look at the banks where the water is pushing onto that bank or where it's creating an eddy, or you can often see where there's structure because of the water movement. Yeah. You know, even if you don't have a sander on your kayak or you don't have a sander on your boat, those eddies and that water movement is often a giveaway of structure yeah. or changes in the bottom, which will also hold those fish. And, and probably the number one place to target a flathead for me has always been the drains yes. <clears throat> on the flats. And I, and I call them bait funnels because if you've got a whole big expanse of weed or mud flat that's draining on the dropping tide, the last place where the bait can hold before they come out into the mouths of the flathead mm. is those drains. Mm. Mm. So if you fish around, if you're fishing along a bank in your kayak or you're walking along a bank or you're in the boat and, you, and you're fishing the edges of those flats and you come to a drain, definitely spend a bit more time fishing around that drain because it's likely that there'll be flathead holding in the mouth of that drain waiting for the last of that bait to come off the flat. Mate, um, another uh, key secret to people out there who are bank bound, don't have a boat, and generally if you're walking flats where there's a channel drop off and uh, particularly at high tide, because uh, throughout the day a lot of the bigger flathead in particular come up onto those shallows, it could be only a, a foot of water and you'll get a crocodile in that area, uh, being yeah. a, a bigger flathead to those out there who don't know. Uh, but I've noticed where the stingrays are, when the stingrays are... Are, are trying to sift up the yabbies, they leave that smoke trail of dust and sand, stirred up clouded water behind them, filtering either with the wind or with the current. But I have noticed casting in behind the stingray into those shallows also produces flathead because they're in there trying to, you know, they're, they're hiding to ambush the whiting that come up onto those flats and also target the yabbies that the the, uh, the, the stingrays are missing. So it, it is that food chain. Have you ever done that? Yes, spot on. And we actually do it a bit I'm locally. I'm giving away some of your secrets here, Justin. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But we, we actually, no, you're spot on because we do it a little bit as well behind the dugong. Yeah, right, in, okay. In our local system. So the yeah. dugong will be moving along, feeding on the weed. Yep. And the same thing, they're feeding on the weed. You can see a distinct brown trail behind them as they stir up the bottom yeah so uh if you're following those stingrays if you see if and you know you might just be drifting the flat but if you see those stingrays or you see the dugong yep. it's definitely worth worth a cast in those trail and and they, they often say where the where the stingrays are is good area for whiting and that sort of thing so yep. yeah where the stingrays are you'll often find the whiting you'll find the brim you'll find the flathead trevally all sorts of species will follow and make take advantage of the the stingrays and the dugong and stuff stirring up the bottom. What what what? So in that sort of uh, situation, what coloured Z-Man would you run, mate? Yeah, I've likely probably already got on a motor oil or a midnight oil on one rod. Yep. And and it's funny that UV reactive quality of the motor oil and the midnight oil colour. Mm. It definitely makes it stand out in the water, and it's a good dirty water, clean water, any water condition sort of colour. So. I often find myself putting on the motor oil or the midnight oil, and that's a great starting point for people. Yes. Uh, otherwise, otherwise, I'd I'd have a dirty water colour on, like a gold rush, yep, um, like a goldy type colour and that sort of thing. But 
Yeah, generally, generally when I head out to fish, I've normally got about, even if I'm in the kayak, I've probably got three rods. In the boat, I've probably got 10 combos ready to go. Wow. Yeah, the gold rush is, uh, it's you know, it's that, that black and gold fleck sort of, uh, you know, uh, a style of lure. Um, and obviously, you, you can also have, you know, like, your pearls and uh, new pennies and all that sort of stuff as if you wanted to. Like you said, to go that different variety to suit the different yep. clarity of, of, of the water. Mate, we've located the fish. We've worked out, okay, this is where you need to be. This is where you need to go. But what sort of gear do you need to use? Give me an ideal outfit. Whether you're, a, we'll start with a with a spinning combo. What what is it? Someone want one kilo, four kilo, eight kilo, ten kilo? Uh, give us an idea. Yeah, so I, I will generally in the boat when I'm out just fishing general estuary. I'll probably have three different weight combos in amongst the combos that I've got. So even if I'm in the kayak with three combos, yeah. I'll have a one to three rod, one to three kilo rod with a you know, 20, 30 size reel and it'll be spooled up with six or eight pound braid and I'll still probably fish 10 pound leader. So uh, depending on the area you're in and the clarity of the water, some guys might drop their leaders down to eight, six, four, even two pound for brim and stuff. But when I'm chasing flathead, I'll, I'll probably fish 10 pound leader even on that one to three kilo combo. And that light combo I'll use for casting uh, the Ned Rig so the Ned Rig is a, a mushroom a jig head with like, I'll put a TRD Crawls or a small finesse type plastic on there. Mm. And I'll use that for picking the sandy pockets on the flat. So people people are amazed often that you say, well, I was fishing 40 centimetres, 50 centimetres of water and catching flathead. But with that lightweight combo, even if you find a patch of sand in amongst the weed up on the flats that might be the size of a car, you can make a cast to one side of that pocket and you can just shake and and roll and hop that plastic through through that little sand patch and cover plenty of ground. Mm. And I recently got an 80-centimetre flathead out of the yak out of about 60 centimetres of water up on those flats, oh. picking those. I call it picking the pockets, yeah, okay. you know. And so that so that light rod with light finesse plastics, you know, a one-tenth ounce Nedlock's, TT Lewis Nedlock's head, which makes the plastic stand up because the Zeman is buoyant, and you put a little two-and-a-half-inch TRD crawls on there. It's like a little yabby or crab representation and just shake it through those patches. Yep. Very effective. Probably 99% of my, well, not 99, 90% of my flathead fishing is a two to four kilo spin rod, yep. seven foot spin rod with a, a 20 or 30 size reel, 10 pound braid, 10 pound leader. Yep. And that that's a good sort of all round rod for throwing a jig head from one eighth ounce through to about quarter ounce generally. And that, that covers a lot of your flats fishing and your shallow sort of drop offs. Yeah, and then I've normally got a three to six kilo rod, and that three to six kilo rod is loaded with ten pound braid, ten pound leader, or fifteen pound leader on a thirty size reel yep. with um, ten pound braid, and that's my deeper edge flathead stuff. Where I'm normally fishing a, a quarter ounce to a three eighth ounce jig head, fishing down to say three or four meters, and that's that's a good a good use a three to three to six kilo rod. If you come across a snapper or a dewy or something like that, you're yep. still a you know, you're still in the fight, and if you've got 15-pound leader, you're still a good chance. But but 10, often you'll run 10-pound anyway. Mate, one thing I've noticed is um, if we're running jig heads, say you're running a 3.8-ounce or, a, you know, a, a, or maybe a 1.8, depending on, obviously, the, the, the weight of it, but um, the heavier the jig head, the lighter the rod. Like you said earlier, if you're fishing a flat and it, the gut feeling is it feels barren, 
Um, if you've got the wrong size jig head to suit the, the outfit you're running, it's going to be harder to sink that hook into the fish's mouth because the rod becomes too soft. So, uh, And that's one thing I've noticed. If you, you feel the hook, you feel the hit of the, of the fish onto the lure, but if it's only your one to three kilo outfit, when you go to lay into it, if he hasn't really engulfed it and he's just sort of grabbing it, it's really hard to, to, to actually get that fish hooked up. Whereas if you have that sort of three to five kilo sort of outfit or three to six kilo, is that you've got a little bit more punch in the rod, sturdiness one would say, to actually give it that flick back and actually sink the hook into the fish's mouth. Have you noticed anything like that? Yeah, and I guess it. I guess it depends on where you're fishing a lot as well. Right. Like the um, you know, for the for the Gold Coast anglers, Flathead Classic, there's a lot of big fish down there. Mm. So those guys are potentially even fishing heavier rods again. Yeah. Their, their jig heads could be up around five, eight, three quarter, even one ounce in that real deep water stuff. Yep. Um, but for the for the average punter, that two to four kilo or three to six kilo rod is yep. definitely the go to. It does. It allows you to punch a long cast, cover plenty of water. Yep. It allows you to set that hook nicely when you feel the bite. And like you say with the flathead as well too, a lot of the time, if you're if you're hopping the lure up off the bottom mm. and a flathead eats it, all you feel is a tap. Yes. And then you've got to you've got to set that hook and either wind up and set the hook or just set the hook. And so that three to six gives you that purchase to, to penetrate that that fish's mouth and, and set that hook. And and also a lot of guys will fish a lighter wire jig head when they're targeting brim flathead those estuary type species mm-hmm. so that that thinner hook gauge also improves the hook set as well so so for me i often fish a tt lewis demons or a tt lewis headlocks finesse okay and they're a fine they're a fine wire hook so the downside is you've got a lighter gauge hook so you can't put as much hurt on the fish but the penetration is much better um otherwise if if you're just getting into your flathead fishing it's hard to go past something like a headlocks hd which is it's a brutally strong hook Yep. It's still black nickel chemically sharpened hook, so it's still going to pin the fish. But um, if you do hook a snapper or whatever, you, you, know, you know, the hook is going to stand up to if you do have heavier drag settings and that sort of thing. Now, mate, when, uh, when we're talking the plastics to go into, say, the headlocks uh, in, the, in the finesse, mate, are you running more like the, uh, say, the jerk shads or are you going for the grub tail or, or of course, the, the minnow? What sort of tail on your plastic do you prefer to, to catch the flathead with? I guess it depends possibly on the retrieve or the depth of water. I mean, what, what is it you think? Yeah, I think if you, if you put um, half a dozen hardcore flathead anglers together and said, what's the best? flathead plastic they'd probably punch on but it's um for me for me i love paddle tails and mm. predominantly because i fish a lot of i would say shallower water so half a meter through to maybe four meters yep and and the areas that i fish there's a lot of bait fish so whiting mullet those sorts of things so so my go-to's will be a paddle tail style of plastic yep. while some anglers prefer a curl tail which is great they both work really well and then some anglers that fish especially I don't know, the, the jerk shad style of plastic, I've caught some great flathead on it, and it's a very versatile plastic. It casts a long way because it doesn't have a lot of action in the tail. Mm. And then you can you can apply the action with the tip of the rod, giving it hops and flicks and that sort of thing. And the guys will fish it on a really light jig head up in the shallows right down to deep water fishing. And that, that jerk bait, jerk shad style of plastic is a classic style of plastic. And, um, a lot of guys do well on it in the flathead plastic as well. And yeah, for me, for me, it's paddle tails. If, if I was saying someone that just hadn't fished plastic before, 
and they wanted to catch a flathead, I would say go with a paddle tail or a curl tail plastic because it's got a lot of action already built into the plastic. So mm. when you cast that lure out there, it'll sink down and the tail will actually work as it sinks. Every time you move the plastic, the tail will work. And even if there's current flow, the tail will probably be working as well. And the, um, the Z-Man, which is the, one of the brands that we do, 10, 10 times tough plastic. So yeah. it's a very soft and stretchy plastic and very durable. Yes. Um, but it's also naturally buoyant, which a lot of people don't realize. So when your jig head's sitting on the bottom, the plastic will actually stand up off the bottom and look very natural. Right. So if you're using those those little crayfish imitations and things, they stand claws up yep. like they're trying to defend themselves. So when you move it away, they look like they're fleeing and then they stand up with their claws up and attract the fish to them. Yep. And same with the paddle tail. The paddle tail for me will hop along or swim along and then when you stop, it stands tail up and it looks like it's feeding in the bottom yes. and it just sways with the water movement. So a lot of the times, you know, my wife will ring me I put the rod, put the rod between my legs. I'm talking to my wife. Yep, yep, and then <laughs> off it goes because because the the lure is just bouncing along with the current, with the tail up, and it just looks like it's feeding and swimming along. Yes. And the flathead goes, all right, here we go. Here's a meal. <laughs> Bang, just nails it. So in your uh, in your curl tails, you could you'd be looking at a couple of lures for your tackle pack. Would be your midnight oil, your bad shad, probably something like your coconut ice glade, just to give that little bit of random colour. And, yep, and yep. also probably a pearl. Those four different colours there are going from one extreme to another. Um, and, and I guess that's... A, and, and you do say about that uh, curl tails is that the tail... They do stretch. It does stretch yep. and it has its own action, the unique action. But if a flathead grabs the bait, sometimes they can be very temperamental and they sook. If, if it grabs the tail but doesn't feel the hook okay, you can recast into that area and he'll most likely come back again. But if the flathead, you hook him momentarily and you know he's on the hook and then you drop him, there's a good chance he's just going to sit there and sulk and, and not bite again. Would that be right? Yeah, it's, it's, well, they are one of those species. And, mm. and if, we, if we say, like a lot of the time, if you have a good fish or something and you hit, like you say, you hit it, it feels the hook, it shakes the lure or something, and you go, ah, oh, I pinned it, or you know, or it felt the hook, or whatever. And then generally, like you say, it won't come back. Mm. Whereas, um, whereas if you're getting short strikes, which does ha happen sometimes, you'll feel them grabbing the tail, and you'll you'll have weight, yeah. and then it'll just come free. You'll have weight, it'll come free. Mm. So for me, I always stent up my plastics, and often if it gets quiet, or you're getting those short sort of hits, I'll go, oh, time to put on a little bit more scent. And I just put on a tiny dab of Procure either side of the head of the plastic, yep. and I slide it right down to the tip of its tail. And it's amazing how many times you put scent on, and boom, you get action again. So, yeah, yeah definitely cast if you do get if you're getting those short strikes, try mm. scenting up, mm. try casting back into the same area. If you've got the second rod there with a the different plastic on, mm -hmm. try showing them a different plastic can also help. Mm -hmm. And and I also mix up your retrieve so. There's three main retrieves that I'll run for a flathead. So I'll generally slow roll, yep. which is just a slow wind. Mm -hmm. So for me, you can sort of, if you're, if you're not sure how deep it is, you can cast out, count your lure down, one, two, three, four, oh, six, and it's on the bottom. So the next time I cast out, I might count to five and then start a slow wind. And that way I know I'm just above the bottom. So I'm just above the flathead, especially if it's weedy. Yep. <clears throat> Otherwise, if it's sandy bottom, you can just drag it a bit on the bottom. And that slow wind will often produce fish. Sometimes they want that slow roll. 
Okay. No movement. No, no, no movement of the rod tip there. Sorry, Justin. Just no, no. Okay. What I'll do if I'm fishing fishing paddle tail or curl tail, there's plenty of action in the plastic. Yep. And all I'll do is maybe slow down or speed up a little bit, just change the speed of the retrieve, okay. especially over the top of patchy weed. Yep. And then um, every now and then you might pause it, tap the bottom, okay. get it up again, and then slow roll. Okay. Otherwise, the old classic burn and kill, which is which is great. Uh, especially for kids, if you're getting kids into soft plastics fishing for flathead. So a burn and kill is basically a big, long cast. And then we, the burn is the winding of the reel. So you might do three winds, and you might vary the speed of that burn and vary the kill, which is the pause. Okay. So basically it's wind, 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 one, two, three. Yeah. So it can drive you nuts when you're teaching kids and you've got them saying wind, 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 one, two, three. Yeah. Wind, 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 one, two, three. So after a little while, you say, say it in your head, say it in your head. You can see their mouth still moving. But then it's amazing. I, I've, I fished with a mate up in Townsville, and we took the kids out using that technique, yeah. and they, they caught a dozen flathead, and it was, it was excellent. Just with that, wind, that winding and pausing, the winding picks it up off the bottom. Yep. The pause sends it back down again, get that puff of mud or sand, yep. winding again. Otherwise, a lot of people just fish that classic hopping retrieve as well, which is punching that plastic out, and they'll give it two or three hops with the rod tip, and then wind up the slack as they're allowing the plastic to fall freely. Yep. And just that hop, 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 and then wind and pause and allow it to hit the bottom again. And with the flatties, you've got to be ready, like you were saying before, when you're getting those short strikes and stuff, you've got to be ready for that tap as they'll eat it on the drop, and then that's when you wind up and set that hook solid on that fish. Yeah, generally you feel like a snag, won't it? Like you you, you, you feel that knock. You go If you're doing the yeah. hopping, you're yep. going like... And, and it all comes down to the wrist. Like your, your wrist motion, your wrist might move, uh, say, you know, two or three centimetres tops. Yep. But that emulates two or three inches off the tip of the rod or even a little bit more. So it's, yep. it's all in that wrist moment. And and if you feel that that tap and that knock and you think, oh, is and then you just, it's that motion that comes second nature that you you wind the slack up on the reel and as you wind down, you, you're pulling back to strike. And that's something yeah. that people have to get used to because, uh, you know, that, that's sinking the hook into the fish. I mean, that's that's going to create that connection that you need to uh, have solidly at the end, particularly if it's a good fish. Yeah, and, and someone once said to me, strikes are free, you know. Yeah. <laughs> strikes, strikes are free. So if you think a fish is eaten or you feel like you've got a bite, whack them, you know, because, yeah, it doesn't cost you anything. No. And um, I've, been out, I've been out with mates before and watched them, and I said, you just got to hit. They're like, what? So I just saw your rod tip. You just got to bite, you know. And then, so then they start to pay more attention to their rod tip and their the tension on their line. And then, boom, you'll see them get it. And they're like, "Yeah, I had that before. Yep, you did." And boom, there you got a nice flatty. So it's, yeah, it's just you know, time on the water is everything. But yeah. the great thing about flathead is it, you know, it's not like some of those species where you throw a thousand casts to get one hit. No. So if you go out and you work those likely looking areas. You know, you might miss this one, but you'll get another chance. So just keep plugging along that bank or whatever. And and for me, you know, some guys like to fish really slow. They'll fish one eight heads and and that sort of thing. But for me, I generally fish for active fish. So I'll often fish heavier than a lot of people, and I'll fish fast. And I'm looking for fish that are feeding. You know, they're the ones I want to catch. So uh, if the conditions are tough. You might have to drop down to a one eighth or a one sixth or a smaller jig head. Mm-hmm. But if you're going out there for the first time, just have a go at flathead, or you, you know you haven't caught one yet, but you've been trying. A quarter ounce is a great starting point. Even if I'm in a meter of water, mm-hmm. I'll have a quarter ounce head on. It'll allow me to cast further away from the boat or further away from the bank, 
so I'm not spooking the fish and it'll allow me to get to the bottom quicker where the fish are and use a few different retrieves, do more casts, try more retrieves and cover more area. So, yeah, quarter ounce and then three eighth ounce for deeper edges and stuff for me. But if you're running a five-inch lure, okay, say it's the streaks, the curl tails, if you're running a five-inch yep. lure, what si- and you're, run- you're running, say, a, a, a three-eight or a quarter ounce, yep. what size hook should you be running? One o, a one, five o. What size hook would you put in that plastic? Yeah, it, it, it does depend a little on the area and the fish, but flathead are one of those cool things where when you're in that size of plastic, it doesn't work right through the whole range of gamut of sizes of plastic. Mm-hmm. But um, a 3-inch, I'll generally run a 3-0. A 4-inch, I'll run a 4-0. A 5-inch, I'll run a 5-0. Oh. Will, is, a good, is a good starting point. Okay. In saying that, when I fish a 2.5-inch, I fish a 1-0. So it throws a spanner in things. But, but okay. for me, my go-tos for flathead would be a, a two-and-a-half-inch grubs or a two-and-a-half-inch slim swims from Z-Man with a quarter-ounce 1-0. Yep. And then from there, I would step to probably what I think is the best all-rounder for a flathead, which is a, a quarter-ounce 3-0 with the three-inch minnows. And that is basically the perfect little potty mower little whiting. And the quarter-ounce is a great weight for the shallows where we often target them. Yep. Uh, from there, I would step up to a four-inch center jerk shad or a five-inch center jerk shad, mm-hmm. or the four-inch streaks curly tail or five-inch streaks curly tail, and and that would be for deeper water edges and that sort of thing. And and in saying that, it depends on region because as you move south mm-hmm. into New South Wales and that sort of thing, those guys get a lot of big flathead mm-hmm. in war in areas with little water movement and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And so, or the opposite, heavy water movement at creek mouths and things. So they'll They'll often fish bigger plastics because there's a lot more bigger fish in the area. Yes. But yeah. for the for the person starting out, a three-inch will get eaten by a small one and a three-inch will get eaten by a big one. So a three-inch is a great starting point, whereas down south they're, they're starting to fish bigger and bigger plastics for those big fish in those areas with little water movement. Yeah. And then as you move into south south further and the flathead change a bit, that sort of thing, mm-hmm. they're often fishing, uh, like, say, Port Phillip Bay, deeper water, um, where they might fish, there's a lot of smaller flathead, but they still get big ones. And they'll fish three eighth ounce a lot of the time with a with a four inch streak curly tails out in the deep stuff, mm-hmm. and then uh, similar to us in the, in the shallows and and same down in south or similar in the shallows, maybe downsize the plastic a little. But yeah, it's, it's a great fish and it's available right around the country. So Mate. yeah, paddle tail or curl tail, great starting point. Yeah, and then as you get more experience, you bring on those. The jerk shads and the crustaceans and all those sorts of things. But if you uh, if you were heading out there today and you had one go to lure, okay, someone out there is going right. I just I just want to buy one lure. What is your go to lure? Yeah, for me, it, it's a it's a battle now between that two and a half inch slimsims and the three inch minnows, mm. mainly because the two and a half inch slimsims will also catch you a lot of brim and all sorts of other species. But if if you were going out, I want to catch a flathead, I would go a quarter-ounce 3-0 jig head with a 3-inch minnows. And in terms of colour choice, it's you know it's hard to go past uh, a motor oil or a midnight oil as a good all-rounder. But like you say, pearl, pearl is a very, 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 very popular colour and probably an underrated colour in some areas. Mm. And primarily... That's because the pearl takes on the colour of the water, takes on the tint of the water. Yep. So bait fish don't want to be eaten. They want to blend in with that water. Mm-hmm. 
and that's what pearl does. If, it, if the water's greeny, the plastic looks green. If the water's brown, the plastic takes on that brown tint. So pearl is a very, very good starting point as well. Well, there you have it, everybody. We've had Justin Wilmer on board with us this morning from Tackle Tactics. And the go-to lure for you out there, if you're getting into flathead, is going to be the two-and-a-half-inch. Uh, it's the Slim Swim. Okay, well, no, should we go the three-inch minnow? Let's change it up there. Let's go the three-inch minnow with a quarter-ounce and a 3-0 hook midnight oil. And why not spend a little bit more and grab yourself a pearl colour as well? Hey, Justin, thanks for your time this morning, mate. You're a wealth of knowledge. Uh, what, what are you doing today, mate? Are you fishing today? Uh, I've got a mow, as we <laughs> do, and then uh, probably probably sneak, probably sneak out for a flathead this afternoon. <laughs> Mate, Fish do, on. Do, you got to do the home duties first, don't you, before you can get out there and, uh, and yep. enjoy the, what the weekend has, has to offer. Hey, everybody, thanks very much for listening to the Step Outside Fishing Podcast. It's great to have you on board again. And, Justin, mate, we're going to have you back because uh, what's, an, what's another topic that you think Australians would love to hear? We've also got a listener over in Norway. What can we please for her or him? Norway. Norway. Maybe we can get over there for a fish. <laughs> Do you reckon they have flathead? <laughs> yeah, oh, something similar, probably. <laughs> no doubt. Thanks for your time there, Justin. Grab yourself some uh, all the gear from, of course, Tackle Tactics there, Z-Mans, TT Lures. I mean, the list goes on. And uh, spool up your lines with all the Platter Sports gears. We'll see you next week there, Australia. Thanks for watching and listening to the Step Outside podcast.